Hey there, everybody. Thanks for listening. I'm glad that you tuned in today. You're listening to the Two Paths Podcast. I'm your host, Craig Marcy. This is episode eight. It is part two of Running the Race of Life. So glad that you decided to join me today, and I hope this time is valuable for you, and you can pull something from it that you can apply to life. And I'm just glad to to be able to spend this time with you today. So this is part two of a series, a four-part series, called Running the Race of Life. So if you missed what um, part one was, I'd encourage you to go back, catch episode seven, as as I talk about uh, what the first step is and running the race of life. And today we're going to talk about uh, step two in running the race of life. And just as a warning, each step gets progressively harder for us. And so it's really going to take being intentional. I think it's going to take being honest and being transparent with yourself if you want to run a successful race in life. So my story with running the race of life is that I've always enjoyed running. Ever since I was a little kid, I enjoyed running. And my dad was always um, health conscious. He always ate really well. He exercised. He lifted weights. He went running. And then I had one of my uh, best friends growing up. His mom was a runner. And I remember as a kid that she ran a marathon. And I thought, well, that would be pretty awesome to one day run a marathon. And so as I started running uh, more and more as a kid, and then I did in high school um, and then in college, and then once I graduated college, um, pursued it a little bit more, I've always enjoyed it. And so this four-part series um, basically is a lesson, four lessons actually, on running the race of life that I've learned from training and running a marathon. And so the second step in running the race of life is the powerful act of acceptance. Accepting doesn't mean um, that you have to like something. It doesn't mean that you have to agree with it. But acceptance is key for anything you do in life. I love the summer. But I have to accept the fact that winter in the Midwest could be cold, it could be snowy, it could be icy. I have to accept it. That's just the way it is if this is where I'm going to live. So I I accept it. But as a caution to that, people will say they accept accept something. But in time, you start to discover they didn't really accept it at all. I'm willing to bet that you probably know what I'm talking about. Because maybe you've done that before. Maybe you said you accept something, but you really didn't. Maybe you've heard other people say they accept something, but they never really did. And you're going to know by the way they live their life, especially on that specific topic, whatever it may be. If they didn't accept it, it's going to show. It's kind of like when somebody says, um, I forgive you. But then they hang on to that grudge forever. They didn't really forgive you at all, did they? They hold on to that resentment. They hold on to that grudge. 
They didn't forgive you. They just tried to bury the issue. Maybe you've said that to somebody before and, and maybe it's caught up to you and you've thought, you know what? I never did accept, uh, I never did uh, forgive that person. I said it, but I didn't mean it. That's where uh, a whole other conversation of the power of words, isn't it? You have to say what you mean and mean what you say. So what is it that makes acceptance in life so hard? Oh, I think there are some different paths that we can go down on why accepting things is so hard. Dennis Waitley, the author of Psychology of Winning, he said, it's not what you are that holds you back. It's what you think you are not. Do you catch that? He's saying there's a difference between reality and perception. It's not what you are that holds you back. So the reality, what you are, it's what you think you are not. The perception, the theater of the mind playing games, telling you one thing or another. And I think that's a big part of acceptance, the reality versus the perception of things. It's, it's our perspective a lot of times that will hold us back from accepting things. I can't run a marathon. That's too far. Well, that's a perception. That's not reality because too far compared to what? It's not too far compared to driving from LA to California. It's not too far if I'm going to travel around the globe to another continent. It's about perspective and and our perception versus reality. Our perception too often determines if we will accept truths as reality and then ultimately if we act on it from there. So let me ask you a question and, and you're probably by yourself, so please be honest. Do you accept yourself for who you are? Too often we make acceptance about other people. We worry about, will so-and-so accept me if I say this, or I do this, or I dress like this, or if I work here, or if I drive this, if I walk like this, if I run like this, will people accept me? Do you see the difference already? We put the focus of acceptance on other people's perception of us. And not even that, more of what we perceive other people are going to perceive us as. In reality, we should focus more on, do I accept me? And that takes us down the, the road a lot further and quite honestly, gives us a lot more productivity in life when we examine acceptance from that viewpoint. Do I accept me for me? Because from that, I think you're going to ask yourself a lot of questions. You're going to do a lot of self-examination. You're going to spend a lot of time reflecting. And let me caution you again. Don't be the person that says it, but doesn't mean it. Because quite honestly, when that happens, you're just wasting time. You're going to say that you accept you for who you are. 
And when you don't in reality, then you're not making any progress. You can work really hard and put a lot of time and effort into something. But if you don't accept yourself for who you are, all of that work you that you'll do to better yourself will be in vain because it's not the real you. And so I think that's one of one of the reasons acceptance is so hard is because it starts with us and we have a hard time accepting ourselves for who we are. We have a hard time accepting ourselves for the way we look, the way we talk, the way we think, um, the way we work, the way we play sports, the way we parent, the way we are as a married person. There are a lot of things that hold us back in life that we don't want to accept. And so that takes me down one of the other paths, and I kind of mentioned it at the very beginning, and that is that we don't have to like it to accept it, right? I don't have to like winter to accept that in the Midwest, in the United States of America, winter will happen, which involves snow, ice, cold, and maybe a whole lot of wind. I accept it. That's the Midwest and the United States in the winter. Doesn't mean I have to like it though. Have you heard have you heard that before? Maybe you've ever used that phrase. Somebody asks you to do something and you're like, Yeah, I'll do it, but I don't have to like it. Well, it's the same thing. And I think if you put that into perspective, that there will be things in life that you do not like, but they are fact and they are reality, when you accept them then you realize, okay, I don't like it, but you know what? It really isn't that big of a deal at the same time. Or maybe it is a big deal, but because you've accepted it, you've been able to deal with it, process it, and move on from it and not be hung up on it anymore. Isn't that awesome to think about? Reverse the script. Flip the script on that. I don't like it, but I'm going to accept it because it's going to help me move on in life. I think that's pretty powerful. So the next road that kind of ties in with it, and I've hinted at this a little bit too, is that there's a difference between accepting and justifying. And, and again, I'll use an example from forgiveness because this is one that really chaps my hide. I'm sorry that I said this, but I was just so mad because this happened and that happened and this happened. Listen, anytime you say, I'm sorry, and it doesn't end right there and you start justifying why, then it's not an apology. Justifying kind of negates the apology, doesn't it? Same with forgiveness. I'll forgive you this one time, but don't you ever do it again. Well, you're kind of justifying. You're making that forgiveness conditional. I'll do it this time, but don't do it again. It's not true forgiveness if you're making it conditional, that it's going to be based on future behavior, whether you're going to forgive somebody or not, because this is exactly what will happen. 
I forgive you for this, but don't you ever do it again. Five years down the road, it happens again. Maybe not the exact same, but a similar situation. And that person says, I told you I would not forgive you if that happened again. Boy, that's not forgiveness at all, is it? Not that first time. If you hang on to that grudge and you hold in that bitterness and that frustration and you dangle it over that person for the rest of their life, that's not forgiveness. And so if we put that into the term of um, accepting, we change the narrative sometimes to justify something. And that's not true acceptance. We have to accept things exactly how they are. You know, one of the <laughs> the hot button topics in the U.S. anymore, and, and maybe a little bit around the world right now, is the the whole trust the science notion. And you have to accept science. Well, the funny thing is, on any one issue, you can have two very intelligent scientists that are on opposite sides of the coin on it. The other one's necessarily wrong because their research and their insight validates their belief of what they've discovered on that specific issue. And so it's easy to justify things so that it fits into our narrative. And that's not truly accepting things as they are. It's not accepting reality for what it is. It's putting a spin on it so that we can live with it. And maybe that's what we need to do to an extent. But I don't believe that justifying and spinning things is truly accepting. And this next reason why I think acceptance is so hard, and this one, this one's going to be probably hard to hear, and it might even raise some eyebrows. But sometimes we have to accept that we might not be called to do what we think we really want to do. Now, we can go into a very long debate and discussion on um, what were you called to do? What were you created to do? And then we can look at it as, I have these passions and desires to do this. And when things line up, then that's what you're supposed to do. But how many times in life have you had to accept the fact that I really enjoy this, but that's not my gift? Sometimes what happens is that we don't accept that. And in the long run, we end up getting hurt or burnt or, or worn out or left out maybe. So let me give you an example of, of how this can happen sometimes. You can have a person who will do 10 different tasks within your organization and it spreads them very thin. They can get them done, but they're usually tired. Um, out of those 10 projects, they're probably 75 to 80% good. And if that person would, would acknowledge that, you know what, out of these 10 things, 
there are three that I'm really good at. And if I could focus on those three, then they would be at a hundred percent and let go of the other seven. What a difference that makes in your life. Now, I want to be very, 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 very clear on this topic because as a leadership coach, I don't want to crush people's dreams. What I want to do is help you define and realize what your dream really is and if that aligns with who you are and what you're gifted to do. It's pretty interesting. In in his book, You Are the Brand by Mike Kim, he talks about, hey, you might be really passionate and gifted to do this. However, to be successful at this, it's going to take some time. And so what are things that you're good at now that you might not necessarily like, but you're good at it so you can do it now to fund what you really want to do later on? And, and what I've learned from that concept, and maybe more, more validation than learning, is that we have to accept what we're good at and what we're not good at in life. One of the things I'll, I'll just share with you <laughs> And I'm not getting paid to say this at all, but Simon Cowell, to me, is a very interesting person. Now, he has a reputation of being this bad guy that just likes to embarrass people and put them down. But over the years, as you watch him on different shows, whether it's, you know, it used to be um, America's Got Talent and then Britain's Got Talent and all these different shows that he's on, the man really has a heart of gold. But he's wired in such a way that he wants you to be successful doing what you are the what you are created to do. And I've always found it interesting that when people were trying out on the show and he would say, is there nobody close to you that loves you enough to tell you the truth? This isn't your gift. You're not good at this. You're probably good at a lot of things, but this isn't one of them. And the people get crushed and the crowd boos and the, and the person cries. It's, it's harsh. It's a harsh delivery. But there's a lot of truth to that, isn't there? Think about that. I would rather have somebody in my life that says, I know you love to do this, but you're not quite as good at that as you are at this thing over here. And at this thing over here, you could really excel. And I know you could take off and do so much good and you would be so happy doing it. I like that about Simon Cowell that he says, Listen, you might be good at a lot of things, but this isn't one of them, and you need to hear it. You need to know it. And I think maybe some of the trouble is that people haven't heard that enough in their life by those who love them, and that's why it's so harsh to hear from a stranger. Now, I'm sure that you could be thinking all kinds of things about this this discussion right here. I'm not going to steer my four children down any road that I don't think is fit for them. My job as a parent is to train them up the right way and help mold them into the person they were created to be. And each one of my four children, although they're my children, are four different unique individuals with different personalities and different gifts and different abilities. And they're all called to do something different and be something different. And so At a young age, 
I like encouraging my kids, explore anything and everything, try it all. Like one of the things that we, we push for the kids, try music for one year, pick an instrument and just try it for a year. And let's see how it goes. Try a sport. You want to play a sport? Pick one and let's go do it. Doesn't even matter which one. You want to read? All right. Let's go to the library and stack up a bunch of books for you to read. Whatever it is, we're good with that. And we actually, we try to encourage it because we want them to experience everything to find out. You know what? I never thought about the viola before, but I like it. This is really fun. Or, man, water polo. Who would have thought in Ohio water polo would be such an amazing sport, but I'm going for it, and it's an absolute blast. I'm not a dream crusher. There's enough dream crushers in the world. But I feel like as a, a responsible adult and as a leadership coach, it's my job to help people truly discover their gifts and their abilities and their callings and hone in on those. And I honestly believe that when people do that, they start to realize, yeah, that other thing would have been fun, but man, that's just not me. This is what I'm supposed to do instead. And when that acceptance happens, man, what a world of difference. So speaking of my kids, let me share with you a story about how I've seen acceptance restore relationships. So with our kids, if, um, well, I shouldn't say if, when one of the kids does something to the other one and they need to apologize, the one who offended needs to look at the offended in the face and say, I'm sorry for whatever they did. But then the one who is offended has to say, I accept your apology. And naturally, they're kids. So we've caught when the tones are not sincere and we've addressed the issue with them, that it needs to be sincere. But what I've learned, because I, I, this wasn't something I grew up doing or knowing. It wasn't something really that I learned in college. It was what I learned taking parenting classes, is that when the offended child says, I accept your apology, I've seen some amazing relationships restored. They go off and they play together. They're laughing and giggling and telling funny stories right after that happened. Even more specifically, when I've blown up at my kids for something and I've needed to apologize for that behavior. I can think of one recently that really stuck with me um, so much because I I got upset with my daughter, my one daughter who was helping out, but I was just frustrated. And I just told, I told her to stop, just knock it off. Don't do anything. Don't touch anything, that type of thing. Um, and then later my wife, when I was telling her, she said, you know, she was just trying to help, right? I said, yeah, I didn't realize it as much in the moment. I, I know she was trying to help, but it made the situation worse. So I went up and I apologized. And I just told her I was sorry for that behavior. It was unacceptable. And there was no need for me to get on her like that. And she said, that's okay, daddy. I accept your apology. And then I noticed the rest of the time for probably another hour or so, she stayed close to me. It was like, um, 
maybe it's hard to describe, but there was a bond being restored right there that it was okay. She forgave me. She was glad that I asked for the forgiveness. She accepted it and that fellowship was being restored. And then she just sat by me and I had my arm around her. Acceptance is a powerful thing. For me running a marathon, accepting that I wasn't in shape was powerful. Accepting that I had to put a lot of work and a lot of training into running a marathon was powerful. It wasn't just enough to, to recognize what I needed to do, but to truly accept it. It changed the entire trajectory of running for a marathon and training for that marathon. I had to come up with a plan of my diet, my running schedule, drinking more water, all of these things. I had to accept all of that. And then when I accepted it, I was able to take the next step. So I'm going to leave you right there on that cliffhanger. Part three of running the race of life. Stay tuned for that episode. I'd love to have you there along for this run together. And I hope that you're running the race of life and you're running it to the best of your ability. I'd love to hear from you. Connect with me on Facebook, facebook.com slash legacy 2719, or you can email me at craigmarcy at gmail.com, or you can find me on LinkedIn even. But when it comes to acceptance, remember this, you have the choice. You can choose to accept things in life or you can play naive and you can reject them or you can deny them or try to convince yourself that it's not true. But I'm telling you, once you accept things, doors open up. Your eyes see things that you haven't seen before. But I can't do that for you. You have to make that choice. And so I want to encourage you to choose the path that will make all the difference.